0: We're going to be in Acts chapter 6 this evening, if you're finding that in your Bible, Acts chapter 6, and I want to just um, make this in the form of announcement. I don't know that we've announced it, but it's been in our, um, the flaming torch and other ways that um, we've, we've committed to April of next year for our next preaching and ministry conference. We did it this year. Doesn't even seem possible that that was this year, but it was this year, and um, normally we do it every other year on the even years, but this year we had to not do it in 2020, so we did it in 21, but to get back on that even year rotation, we're going to plan on doing it in 22, just saying that weakens me. (laughs) By the way, we've had a lot of guys already registered just since we announced that we were going to do it online and stuff. And, and a number of people have called and texted and registered. So we're thankful for that. Um, so if you have a place that you put things that you pray for that are in the, in the future, a lot of times we pray for things in the urgent, immediate. But if you have a place you pray for things in the future, put that on your prayer list. Acts chapter 6, those of you who are able to stand, let's stand together and we'll read these verses and we'll spend a good portion of our, I say we're going to spend a good portion of our evening in this passage, which is true, but it's going to be, part of this is going to be like um, sword drill. We're going to look up a lot of different verses, so keep, keep this place marked and be prepared to look up some other verses as well. Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So that's the. the issue, the situation that they're going to deal with. And verse 2 says, Then the twelve, talking about the twelve apostles, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we, the 12 said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. This was the recommendation of the 12, and the whole multitude got on board, and they chose... Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. They chose seven, they put them before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. God, what a source of, of comfort, a source of guidance, of truth, of direction, of instruction. The Bible is, and we're grateful for it. We Ask you tonight to bless as we, we just look again at this great subject of serving you, serving you as individuals, serving you as families, as we've heard in the testimony tonight, just serving the Lord. We're grateful. We pray you'd bless. Help us tonight to glean from this time which you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we've been studying about serving, uh, and this is not the end of this, that, but we've been studying about serving the Lord, and, and it just seems to reason that we would deal with this subject. So we're going to talk tonight about the role of deacons. We're not going to talk about the First Timothy chapter 3 passage that deals with the qualification of deacons, but I think it's really good to understand what deacons are and what service, really service is about. Now, this does not know where it says in this text. We read these seven verses together. And nowhere does it call these men deacons. But I'm convinced this is the first example in the Bible of deacon ministry. And uh, I'm confident these men were deacons. As a matter of fact, uh, when it says in verse 2 where the the apostles said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The word "serve" there, translated in our English Bible, "serve," uh, the the Greek word is diakoneo. Diacon is that's kind of where we get the word deacon because that's what it means. The word is diakoneo. and, and if you look in First Timothy chapter three, where it says about the office of deacons, it uses the same word. So it's talking about the very same thing. Very simply put. Um, the wor- these words mean servant. Deacon means servant. And it's translated sometimes in other ways, but it means servant. So deacons, by definition, are servants. You know, a person, and we'll see this from the Bible, a person can serve, and many people do serve, without being in the official position of deacon. There are people serving in the nursery tonight. There are people who went to the nursing homes today. They're serving... And they're serving, but so you can serve without being in the position of a deacon, but you cannot be a biblical deacon without being a servant. That's, that's really what a deacon is, is a servant. The word means to serve. And if you were to study that word and, and look at a Strong's Concordance or, or some other Bible dictionary, it, it, they'll use other synonyms or definitions like an attendant or a waiter. And, um, and we're going to go to some passages. So Mark Acts chapter 5, if you would. And let's just, let's go to a few places in the Gospels. First of all, go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Um, we're going to see this familiar family, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Uh, in John chapter 12, I just want to, point out one thing, and that's in verse 2. It says, there they made him a supper. Um, So Jesus comes to Bethany, and Lazarus was there. But verse 2 says, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now when it says Martha served, the word there, served, is the identical word that's translated as deacon. A deacon is a servant. And so Martha was not a deacon, but Martha was a servant. A deacon is a, a servant. And I, I want to emphasize this because, you know, we live in such a, a um, unique culture that when you talk about being a servant, people with somebody being a servant, then they sort of think that's demeaning to them. You know, that they, by the way, there's two words that are used most often, two Greek words. One is that diakoneo that means a servant, and the other word has to do with a bond slave. That's even a stronger word. But these words are very common in the New Testament. And so it's not condescending or demeaning to say that a person is going to be a servant. It's like Brother Hawkins was saying this morning in Sunday school. It's not condescending to say that uh, that you're going to submit to somebody in authority over you. That's not. In any way demeaning, it's just a—it's the biblical plan. And we recognize that, of course. So it's really, in a biblical sense, I think it's an honorable occupation to be a servant. Let's look at a couple of other places. Go to Matthew uh, chapter 20. And um, this is talking about the Lord himself. Matthew chapter 20 and verse... Uh, 25 Jesus called them unto him and said you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them those that are in charge their princes their their rulers they're in authority they exercise dominion over them and they that are great exercise authority upon them verse 26 but it shall not Be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. The word there is diakonos, the same word. He can be great, let him be your minister, verse 27. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Again, diakonos, the same kind of word. Let him be your servant. But then look in verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, even I did not come to be served. The word ministered to is the same identical word as deacon, the very same word. He he said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Let's go to another place. Go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse 27. Luke 22 and verse 27, it says, For whether is greater, Jesus is saying this, whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Okay, imagine you're going to, uh, you're a guest in someone's home, or you're seated there, or you're going to a restaurant. And Jesus said, whether is greater, he that sits at meat, he's that sitting down to eat, or he's this that serving. And we would think, that the person who is sitting at meat is greater than the one that's doing the serving. The one that is serving, by the way, the word there where it says, he that sitteth, uh, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, the word that serveth is the same word, diakonos. It means he's a servant. So, so he says, which of them do you think is greater? Is not he, look in verse 27, is not he that sitteth at meat, the one that's seated, we would think is greater because someone's serving him but notice the last part of verse 27 but i am among you as he that serveth i'm i the, if jesus is a servant if jesus sees himself as a servant being a servant is a noble place to be it is a great place to be so someone who thinks they're above serving that they don't understand really the privilege the high calling, the nobility of being a servant or ministering. Uh, let's go back to where we began in Acts chapter six, and we've got. We're going to dive into this a little bit in a moment, but I'm just really introducing the whole concept of serving and being a servant in Acts chapter six, when the apostles said, "We're going to." Um, you know, we think, we think because of the situation that we ought to find seven men could help with this, and we're going to talk about what the situation was. Look in verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. I have that word ministry circled in my Bible. In the margin, I have the word it's translated from. It's diaconeo. It's the same word. He's, the apostle says we're servants too. We're all servants. Jesus was a servant. The apostles were servants. Deacons are servants. Let's go to another place. Go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. I'll give you just a moment to find that. Page 306, by the way, in your Cambridge Wide Margin Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. As every man, hath received the gift. Now, that's a very important phrase. We emphasize things like that around here. Every man means every man. As every person or every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word there, minister, is a translation of that same word, diaconeo. It's a servant. Now, who is a servant? It says in verse 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so serve or minister one to another. So everybody is to be a servant. Everybody's to be a servant. The apostles were servants. Jesus Jesus was a servant. Okay, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 16. And there's a lot more of these that we could point out, but this will serve our purpose. Romans chapter 16... And verse 1, this final chapter of this epistle of Paul to the Romans, he says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincria, or Sincria, however you say that. The word servant there is diakonos, the same word. And who is it? It's a woman, Phoebe, who is a... He, he's commending. Now, she was not in a position of being a deacon. She was a servant. The point being, everybody's to be a servant. This woman was a servant. As every man has been gifted, let him serve. The deacons are servants. The, the preachers, the apostles are servants. And so, just establishing the fact that the ministry of deacons is a ministry of serving. And, we, and I think it's very important to understand that. Now another thing, go back to Acts chapter six, and this is sort of just an introduction to the, the deacon ministry, but in Acts chapter six, you see these list of people in verse five, the seven chosen by the church there in Jerusalem, and there's only two of them that are really familiar. One of them is Stephen, And the other is Philip. And and, and the reason that they're more well known is because we find other things in the Bible where they were involved. And the first one we'll talk about is Stephen. And it says in verse 5 that he was one of the seven that were selected. They laid hands on them, the seven. In verse 8 it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people... And verse 9 segues right into a testimony about Stephen. And it says that they were disputing in verse 9, the last few words of verse 9, Acts 6, 9, they were disputing with Stephen. They could not in verse 10 resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spake. Chapter 7 is a message that he preached really uh, to, to his accusers, to those who were um, upset with him and upset with his message. In the last part of chapter uh, 7, um, you find that he, uh, look in verse um, 58, "...and they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. They stoned Stephen." He was calling upon God, Acts 7, 60. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, he died. Now, I point that out because talking about deacons, these, these original seven, Stephen was a preacher. And it's obvious he was, not, he, was, he, he was involved in helping the situation there in the Jerusalem church, but he was also a preacher. The other one that we know is Philip. And look in Acts chapter 8, you have your Bible probably there in that neighborhood. Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Now we So we know Stephen and Philip were also preachers. And if you look a little further over in Acts chapter 8 and verse um, 35, it says, Philip opened his mouth, this is to the... The Ethiopian man that was in the, in the chariot there, Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Verse 40, Philip was found at Azotus and passing through. He preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And I use those things because I think, I think in this case we see a prime example of how serving in the place of a deacon really was preparing them for a preaching ministry. And, uh, and God used them in that way. Uh, I really. And, and another reason, and we're not going to talk about this tonight, but if you look at the qualifications of a deacon and the qualifications of the bishop or the pastor, they're almost identical. And why is that? It's because they were in ministry positions. It was a spiritual ministry they were in, and we don't know about the rest of the seven. The other five could very well be that they were all preaching and taking the gospel. So uh, let's go just to nail this down, one other thing. Go to, go to the book of Philippians, if you would, please. And we see this epistle of Paul to the church at Philippi and how he addresses the saints, the... Um, Bishops, the pastors, and the deacons. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. He said, we're servants. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. There, are at that, that great colony in Macedonia. Which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. So there's only really two official positions in the Bible... ...in the church, really, and that is the pastors and the deacons. And both of them are serving ministries. So, kind of give an overview of the, the position or the responsibility of the, the deacons. Let's go back to Acts chapter 6. I want to just really look at this situation that created an opportunity... ...for these deacons to be set aside and, and authorized to help in the ministry. The, the situation in Jerusalem. Look in verse 1. In those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, an interesting phrase, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So that really, that narrative sets the stage, sets the understanding for why they ordained these men. There was a dispute between the Grecians and the Hebrews. Now, the Grecians, and you couldn't tell this by reading this this passage, but the Grecians were not non-Jewish people. They were Jews, but they were Hellenists. That means they they were born and raised in a Greek culture. They usually spoke the Greek language. They're Jews, but they were Jews who spoke the Greek language. They were Jews who had a... Uh, history perhaps even born in Greek culture and they're mentioned in other places. Friends, I'll just give you an example. Hold your finger in Acts 6. Look in Acts chapter 11. I told you it was going to be a sword drill tonight. Looking up some verses. Acts chapter 11. This is when the gospel is eventually going to go to Antioch. But if you look in verse 20, it says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, what is what was unique about that? This, you know, this was in Syria, Antioch, nearly near Syria, but these were still they were preaching the gospel to the Jews. The gospel went to the to the Jews first, but these were Jews. These Grecians were Jews from another culture, the Greeks controlled, the, the the language of the, the day was Greek and that's why the New Testament was translated in Greek. And so there was this rift in Acts 6-1 between these Grecians against the Hebrews. The Hebrews were Jews born and raised in Judea. They were in the church in Jerusalem. This was an enormous church. Many thousands of people had been saved. And so there's this this uh, tension, let's call it that. There was a murmuring, we're back in Acts 6-1, there was a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. The The Grecian Jews felt like their widows were being neglected. And it says in the daily ministration. Doesn't tell us what that means, but I think it refers back over to Acts chapter 4 when everybody brought their... Uh, donations and laid them at the apostles' feet and they, and they divvied it out to people as they had needs. They were meeting the needs of people. It was a terrible, difficult time in Ju- Judea and Jerusalem. And so they're, mi- they're ministering to these Jewish people, particularly the widows, on a daily basis. And these Grecians felt like they were being neglected. And it doesn't tell us this. And this may not have anything to do with it at all. But really, the issue may have been more than just that their widows were being overlooked. They may have felt like it had something to do with their background, their ethnicity, that they were not they were not looked at as the Hebrews, the Hebrews, because they were many of them were born in uh, outside of Jerusalem, outside of Judea. But whatever case, there's this tension. Part of it was brought on, I believe, by the number of people. Verse one says, "In those days, when the number of the disciples." was multiplied. The church is growing. It's not just growing in addition. It's multiplying many thousands of members in this church that brought on this need to have some people to help. There's only 12. Think about this. Many thousands of people. And you have 12 apostles and you have these needs that need to be addressed. And so um, there's nowhere in the Bible that it says that every church ought to have deacons. It doesn't say that. Matter of fact, Jesus started the church. He established the church there in Jerusalem with his apostles and those that were saved and baptized. And so they didn't have deacons, but I think it's safe to say the more people there are, the more need there might be for deacons. Doesn't that make sense? And that was the situation in Jerusalem. There was so many people, many thousands of people, and there was this murmuring among the disciples because some of the widows were being neglected and um, to me as I look at this I think it's more than just a situation where they needed to give food out I think it's more than that I think there was a spiritual need there was a sort of a schism sort of a division that was going on and uh, not just you know if it was just a matter of there's some people who aren't getting food let's give them food it wouldn't it wouldn't take the kind of spiritual qualifications that we find. I mean, it doesn't really, you know what I'm saying? It's not, and so there was more to it. I think there's a spiritual need, a division, and and the apostles said, theres a, we're going to find a way to deal with this. And so the the apostles are faced with a decision. There's 12 of them, and they're busy ministering, Discipling, preaching, again, thousands of people, multiplied thousands of people. And so they've got to make a decision, how are we going to handle this? And it was really like a God led them, but it was like, what are we going to do to meet the needs of these people? We've got these people that are upset. They feel like they're being slighted. They feel like their needs aren't being met. And so what are they going to do? And and we find their response in verse 2. We're in Acts 6, 2. Their response was, it is not reason. It doesn't make sense. It's not reasonable. It's not logical. That we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Now, I know some people would hear that and say, well... You, are you saying you're too good, you know, you're too good to do this? That's not what they were saying. <laughs> they were saying, we've, our plate is full. We've got all we can do to do what we're doing. It's not reasonable. If we go do this, it means we're going to have to not do the thing that we ought to be doing. If we go do this, it's not reasonable that we would leave the, the assignment that we've been given by God... And go do something else when somebody else could do that. And so that was, the, that was the logic, that was the reason. It's not reason in verse 2 that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So, so this is what they suggested. This was their, their um, recommendation to the church. Look in verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look out, look ye out among you. Seven men. And he gives these, now there's no magic number in seven. It just be, it's the number that they felt like was right and they so he says, look out seven men, and he gives a, a brief uh, list of recommendations. Listen, seven men of honest report. Honest report means they have a good reputation. They're well reported of. People respect them. Seven men of honest report, Second of all, full of the Holy Ghost. You know, when... I'll come back to that. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. So, it's a very simple plan. The apostles put it on the church. You look among you, seven men that would meet these qualifications. Men of good report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And by the way, um, I think it's commendable as far as the church is concerned there in Jerusalem. I think it's commendable that the apostles would say to the entire congregation, "You, you select seven people And there had to be more than seven, right? Surely there were more than seven that would meet those qualifications. But you pick out these seven yourselves, and then we're going to lay hands on them, and we're going to, we would call that today, ordain them. We're going to appoint them to do this job. So that tells us something, though. It tells us that church members. Are y'all with me tonight? It tells me that church members should be able to be discerning about people in the church that meet these qualifications. That these are spiritually minded men. That these are men full of the Spirit of God. They have a good testimony. They have wisdom and they're servants. We're going to this appoint this to them. And... Um, Notice what it says also. I want to really point this out in verse 3 where it says men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. Now, I have the word business underlined in my Bible. I don't know if you ever underline things. You don't have to do that. But I make marks in my Bible and underline things and I make notes in the Bible. That word business is an important word. What does it mean when he says that we may appoint over this business? And the answer is very simple: it's the business of ministering to these people, who are who are not getting their needs met, and they feel like they feel like they're being slighted, and they've got there could be some ill feelings about it, or whatever the case may be. It's the business of ministering to these murmuring members and and helping to help them. That's what the business is now. Obviously, as a pastor, I'm very much into words. But if you were to take that word business and look it up in any Bible dictionary, concordance or whatever, it's going to tell you the root of that word. And the word that's translated as business is only translated one time in the New Testament as business. And it is a good translation. It's obviously the way it should be translated. But 25 times in the New Testament, that same word is translated as need. Need. And so it's not talking about like financial business or administrative business. It's talking about appoint them over this need, this business, which is ministering to and helping these people. In reality, deacons were servants of the church to help resolve an area of need in the church. That's exactly what it was about. And these men were to be servants capable of ministering to people. And that's an important thing for us to think about. We're talking about ministry and serving. These should be, these men are servants, servants of the Lord. They're involved in ministering to people. And you know, I was, I'm just thinking about this, what Brother Justin said in that impromptu testimony earlier um, about what ministry is like. Like everything is we call ministry may not necessarily be ministry. But these people, these men had to be men involved in ministering in people's lives. They, they are going to have to help. They're going to help this church be unified, help this church through. a. And, you know, honestly, I, I don't, I'm not building this up like it's a severe crisis in this church. I don't think it was. But when people... Are feeling like they're being slighted, that's an important thing that needs to be addressed because unity in the church matters. And so that's what these deacons were. They were servants who were capable of ministering to people. In case we might wonder, do you really think they were capable of ministering to people? Just look at the boldness of Stephen and the great message he preached in Acts chapter 7. Or look at Philip, who was led by the Spirit of God he was in this revival meeting in Samaria, and God was blessing, and miracles were taking place, and, and the Lord directed him out to a desert place to Gaza or Gaza, where there was, he didn't even know why he was going there. And there was this Ethiopian man who was traveling in a chariot who had been to Jerusalem to worship. And when Philip came upon him, he was, he was uh reading from the book of Isaiah. We know it is Isaiah chapter 53. And Philip said to him, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How could I, except some man would guide me? Here's a Spirit-led, Spirit-filled man of God. That's the kind of men these were. Amen? That's what's in the Bible. So these are, these are So, we're going to look at these qualifications in a more detailed way at another time from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. But notice there are men who have a good testimony, men who are filled with the Spirit of God and men of wisdom. And I I don't think that I have to explain this to you tonight, but it's one thing to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. Every saved person is indwelt by the Spirit of God. But it's another thing to be filled with the Spirit. That means the fruit of the Spirit is working in our life. That means we're not living in the flesh. We're not walking in the flesh. We may have moments when we make fleshly decisions, but we repent and get get it right. We need to be, these are to be Spirit-filled people led and guided by the Holy Spirit. And what's going to happen with the apostles? They're going to continue with their priorities which is prayer and the ministry of the Word, teaching and preaching and discipleship and study and those kind of things. There it's, and it is ministry. It's called the ministry of the Word. They're going to devote... Their, their part of serving in the ministry was that, in that manner. Now, I ask this question. Was this the only solution for this problem in Jerusalem? It was the right solution. It was God's solution. But another option could have been for the apostles to leave the Word of God and go give their time to try to resolve this conflict. You can be assured the apostles had the spiritual wisdom, the wherewithal to take care of this. They could have done that, they could have, and, and then let those other men keep on doing whatever they were doing. Uh, and unfortunately, by the way, that's the way some people in some churches would be. Let the preacher do it, you know. Let the preacher do it. Um, as long as the preacher's willing to do more, we're willing to do less. But that's not always God's plan. So God says, "Here's." I believe God led them. Obviously God led them. We would all agree with that. And so when they presented this suggestion, the Bible says... In verse 5 there, the saying pleased the whole multitude. Now that's amazing, really. The whole multitude were on board. And, uh, and they elected these, they, they nominated, they presented these seven people. They said, here's seven names. The, the apostles didn't question those names. They were, they were offered, these suggestions were offered by the church. And the apostles, they set them before the apostles. And the apostles laid hands on them. And uh, they began their ministry. And then I want to look at another thing here in verse seven, because this is the result of this moment of tension in the church there in Jerusalem. Look at the result. After these men were commissioned with their responsibility, in verse seven it says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Not added, but multiplied. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. In other words, God blessed it. God blessed it. The Word of God increased. The number of the disciples was multiplying. Priests are coming to the Lord, these Jewish priests. Why? I think the the simple answer is this, because more people were involved in ministry. I, I said that this morning. I say it again tonight. The more people that are involved in serving... Whether it's in the community and the church and discipleship and evangelism and one on one Bible studies, the more people who are involved in serving, the more people are going to be helped, and God's going to bless that. And so God did bless it. Now, I want to close by just emphasizing the obvious, and that is this there's a great need in the Lord's churches for these kind of men and women, spiritually minded people men with a good testimony it matters what people think about our life it matters that we are seen as being godly men and women i'm talking about men here particularly in this situation but in general it's good. we need men and women who are spirit-filled people godly people a person's not necessarily spiritual just because they come to church. That's a part of it. But but spirituality is not just what we live here, it's what we live in our lives. What we live on the job, what we live around our friends, how we what our language is like, what our behavior is like, what our, you know, all those kind of things. That matters. People say, well, you know, I think you're being judgmental. No, we're not being judgmental. We're just saying you know, in the church, we need, we need people who are strong Christians, and that doesn't just mean we carry the right Bible and we go to church. It means that we're spiritual people. That means you die to self. It means you surrender your will. It means you don't want to walk in the flesh. You want to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I thank God for spiritual men and women in the church. I thank God for all people. But, it's, but I'm particularly thankful for those who, who are godly, spirit-filled people. You know when these men were chosen, these seven men, when these men were chosen, they weren't preachers, they weren't deacons, they weren't super saints. You know what they were? They were faithful, spirit-filled servants of God. Do you think do you think that a person would get I mean, look at Stephen. Stephen with Whatever he was doing before this, we don't know. But he was one of the seven, and he never missed a step. The next time you see him, he's out preaching, and people are wanting to kill him and did kill him for preaching because that's the kind of man he was. These men were servants. Do you think that they would have elected somebody and put them in that group of seven if they weren't serving the Lord? No, they wouldn't be there because they're looking for servants. Deacons are servants. They're looking for people who serve the Lord, people who and, and the people who have godly families. That's covered in 1 Timothy 3. We'll look at that. But these men were faithful servants of God. What a need there is in churches for faithful men and women, spiritual men and women. That's what's needed in, in our communities. That's what's needed in our churches. That's what's needed in our homes are men and women who are filled with the Spirit of God. And I would like to think, unless you're just a brand new Christian, I would like to think that most people know the difference in walking in the spirit and just walking in the flesh, right? There's a big difference. Maybe not for you, but there is for me. There's a big difference. My flesh can be selfish, my flesh can be self centered. My flesh can be quick-tempered. And if you want to know more about my flesh, just ask my wife, because she sees it every once in a while. You know, when Saul, the king, the first king of Israel, when Saul, when the Spirit of God came upon him, the Bible says he became another man. He was, he was different. That's what we need, to be filled with the Spirit of God, and that's what you really need to minister to people. These deacons were going to be servants ministering to people, and they need—we need to be spirit-filled people. And, I just, and so, one of these days, we're going to—we're going to ask the church to nominate—not in the next week or two or three, but soon—nominate some people for deacons, and uh, that—that's what we're looking for: men who are men who are full of the Holy Ghost men who are full of wisdom, men who are servants, men who have a, have a good reputation in the community, and a good reputation in the church, their home. And uh, I think it'll be a good step for us. I think it'll be an important step for our church. So, but, w- but we ought to... You know, I know everybody didn't look at this the same way. But as a, as a Christian, not as a pastor, not as a deacon, but just as a Christian... We should want to be the most godly men and women that by the grace of God we can be. Wouldn't you agree with that? No matter who we are, what our age is, if you're saved. That, and You know what? I know many people in our church feel that as strong as I feel that way. And That's what the Bible teaches. Godly men and women. And that doesn't happen just because we sit in church. It happens because we have a genuine relationship and walk with God. And uh, it'd be a sad thing if a church were to come to a place and say, we, need, we've got, we just feel like we need to ordain a couple of deacons, and you couldn't even find anybody that would meet that qualification. Wouldn't it be a horrible thing? It, sh- it shouldn't be a matter of, oh, man, I hope we can come up with one or two. No, it ought to be the majority of the church it ought to be men who are Godly, spirit-filled men, right? Amen. So it encourages me, really, to see how God, how this whole thing came to pass. To me, again, I'm convinced, even though it doesn't call them deacons in Acts chapter 6, that's exactly who they were, what they were, and what a privilege it is to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. And I'd encourage you tonight, as a young person, as an adult, young or old, I'd encourage you tonight to think about this subject. You know, am I becoming the kind of person that God wants me to be, the kind of Christian that God wants me to be, the spiritually minded man or woman that God wants me to be? Am I a spirit-filled Christian? If not, then the reason we're not filled with the Spirit is because we're allowing sin in our life, we're tolerating sin, we're not confessing and forsaking sin, that too much of our flesh is having its way, and that's not God's will. That is not God's will.